three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave the Dog Trainer podcast, episode one twenty nine. Um, today, I am going to try to do my best to not touch this microphone. Too much. <laughs> um, shout out to Peter, a listener and a client who works in the radio industry yep. that called me on my mic touching. Yeah, I got to work on it. I'm hey. real bad. It's just so easy to just <laughs> grab it, fucking move it, hey. and stuff. He's, he, he at least gave us a compliment. He said that we both have great voices, but we just need to I believe to he said powerful voices. Pa- yes, powerful. He said yes. powerful. I believe that was it. So. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, we're a little touchy-feely. Yeah. Josh, what is good? Well, we are day four. Uh, I've been... we Well, David came and challenged me last podcast, said, starting Monday, we should take 30 days... And see how fit we can get. We're going to get diced. We're going to get diced. (laughs) So we've both been uh, tracking our macros, watching our portion sizes, (laughs) working out. And uh, I haven't had as many trials and tribulations as you have because uh, you said you went down by the feast, which is uh, in our little Italy here in Cleveland. And it's just full of... All the Italian Yeah, so food. so day two of this fitness challenge that we started, which is basically just like, yo, like let's let's try to just drop a couple LBs. Yeah, you know, let's see if we can slim out, look a little better for the camera. Yeah, for people, right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> day two of it, right? I'm on a roll. We're doing good. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I got to go down to Little Italy, which obviously it's the Cleveland Little Italy. It's a nice one. Yeah. Whatever. A lot of good restaurants and stuff. And I get down there and I'm like. Why is the parking situation so weird right now? Why mm-hmm. can I not find a place to park? I found a place to park. I get out of my car. I was like, why are people charging for parking right now? <laughs> this is a Tuesday, guys. I keep walking. As I get a little further up, I realize, oh, fuck. <laughs> the feast is going on. Yes, now, sir. the feast, for those of you that don't know, the Feast of Assumption is like once a year this absolute blowout party where every restaurant sets up on the fucking street. They block the street off, and there's just fucking pasta and meatballs Mm. and sausage and Mm -hmm. spaghetti and just Mm. cassata cake and cannolis and fucking every type of delicious food you could ever imagine just sitting right there staring at you. Just like... Just give me four dollars. It can be yours. <laughs> so I'd walk through the feast, mm-hmm. and I practiced very good discipline, and I did not get anything. Yeah, I mean, it was tough. That would be so tough because I was, I was challenged. Yeah, he was <laughs> challenged. I thankfully went to the feast <laughs> Sunday, which is the day before we started this. Yeah. So <laughs> I got to eat all the cavatelli and meatballs oh, and cannoli. Man. So I didn't. You know, I'm you're a strong individual <laughs> for. <laughs> <laughs> not not so we'll, crumbling. So we'll see week by week as we do these podcasts. We'll yeah. see if we're, we're staying on top of things for 30 days. Yeah, but we're, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real good. I've st- yeah. I've stuck to it for four days. I uh, haven't cheated, <laughs> so haven't went over my caloric intake or my macros. So I love it. Um, what Welcome. else is new? Uh, otherwise, uh, worked with uh, our favorite human in the world, Brittany Gidley. Uh, we did a, a shoot together. I think actually this is the first time we've been able to work together, which uh, Brittany yep. is like the top cream of the crop family photographer, baby photographer. Um, she's amazing. Uh, you guys should all check her out. Brittany Gidley. Um, B 
BGP. BGP. But uh, that was that was a really fun time to work with her. And then uh, as far as the uh, t-shirt front, I am uh, I have gotten in contact with manufacturers. I just got to make sure they're the ones that I want to go with, and I could start getting samples. Otherwise, uh, that was about it. I've really focused all my time on working out and dieting. <laughs> so spend a little extra time on those things. Yeah, a little bit. So okay. So so let's let's uh you know I always try to throw in a little bit of whatever life lesson equated to business this that. Uh-huh. So it's ironic. So I don't know if you got to this part in the podcast that I sent you. So we've been listening yeah. to um um a podcast of Ty Lopez. Anybody knows who Ty Lopez is? If you were on YouTube in like 2010 <laughs> to 2014, yeah. you've seen Ty Lopez's face. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Whatever. You have. So, he's a big like experimenter and try different things and try to figure out like life hacks and stuff mm-hmm. like make your life more optimal and better and stuff like that. Yeah. He was talking about the balance of Health, wealth, and relationship. I think relationship is the word he used for it, right? And he said that a lot of different people, you know, as he's moved through his life of going from just being a broke nobody, living with the Amish, (laughs) which is wild, wild, to, you know, a successful business owner making, you know, I think he was saying like between half a million and a million dollars a year, right, Mm -hmm. to now a... Multi, 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 multi millionaire that probably, you know, has amassed, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. He said that everybody in their life moves through different phases of prioritizing different aspects of that. Right. So you have a lot of people out there that will work 14, 15 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. And then when they get home, they spend a little bit of time on the relationships, right? Whether it's your personal and intimate relationships or your friendships and stuff that you have. Mm-hmm. And then zero time on their health, right? Mm-hmm. You'll have people that, excuse me, um, will, will you know, they're the, the gym people that go and spend three or four hours at the gym every single day and focus on their health, Right. And then maybe focus on their wealth a little bit outside of that. You know, they work, uh, you know, eight hours a day, seven days a week, something like that, but spend no time on relationships and stuff, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, what, what he, and then obviously you have the, the contrary, which is people that only focus on relationships and then focus very little on the, the health and wealth side of things, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, as he's moved through all these different stage of his, of stages of his life, the most optimal balance is to, to, even out all three of those, mm-hmm. right? He said, don't go to the gym for two hours a day and fucking kill yourself trying to work out and and be all Mr. fucking Olympia and stuff like that. He's like, go spend, you know. Oh, they're coming for us. Someone's getting pulled over. You know, uh, spend 15 to 30 minutes at the gym once a day, right? Mm-hmm. And then don't go and work you know, 70 hours a week, he's like, try to get your life optimized to a point where maybe you could spend four or five hours a day on work, right? And then with the remainder of your time, if you don't have to work until six, seven, eight o'clock every single day, you could then focus on your relationship building and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, developing stronger relationships with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he said that if you could achieve that balance, of focusing on all three of those, not in an extreme, 
but in a just enough kind of way, mm-hmm. you will be happier than most of the people out there that are focusing extremely on just one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, he was using the example of like he had a uh, he had a billionaire friend of his, mm-hmm. right? That he said he had billions and billions of dollars, but the guy was so unhealthy he couldn't leave his bed. Mm-hmm. He was bedridden. Yep. He was bedridden, right? And he's like. If I asked you right now, hey, I'm going to give you $2 billion, but you can't leave your bed for 10 years, I'm sure there's some people who'd be like, yeah, I'll take it, right? But if you really break that down, you're killing 10 years of your entire life mm. just for some money at that point. Yeah. Right? No thanks. <clears throat> so whatever. So so I don't remember how I got onto that, but I think I think you were, we were saying, you know, like focusing, dispersing your uh, your time amongst those three things and trying to optimize yourself, I think is something that's extremely important. And if mm-hmm. you prioritize different aspects of that and can figure out a good, healthy balance of it, um, I'm, I'm sure you will just, you'll figure out such a, a higher level of happiness because of it, you know? Yeah. I, I like how he... I think he called it like the pillars, right? Yeah. Like sure. the pillars yes. of life. And then, and, and if you negate one, then, you know, the whole tabletop will mm-hmm. fall, it'll crumble. Yeah. And so that's why you need all three to be pretty much equal. Yeah. And it, I mean, it does make sense. There's a lot of like, <laughs> I think the other thing too, he was talking about, it's like how many, like, like even Elon Musk said that like he wouldn't wish his life on anybody else exactly. or something like that, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, and, he's and that's somebody he was equating to somebody that doesn't have all three of those evened out. Yeah. Right. Like his is all wealth and probably very, very minimal relationship and health. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and obviously listen, I mean, we could sit here and argue all day. Like, well, people like that are helping to, to innovate and create bigger things for the world. And, and you kind of need them to some extent, but when you look yeah. at yourself and what you really want, most people don't want billions of dollars. Yeah. Most people want enough money to be able to 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 facilitate those other two things mm-hmm. so they could balance their life out, you know. Yeah. And it's funny, we were when we were having the podcast with I think it was Kane was Canine Academy Toronto. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it Canine Academy? Is that what it was? I think so. Whatever, with a niche. Yes. Uh, I was talking a little bit about, you know, how the one thing that's that's been very interesting to me over the last like 5 or 6 months is figuring out how I could look personally at who do I need to become in order to achieve the next goals and stuff that I have, yeah. right? Leveling mm-hmm. myself up so I could level up all the other aspects of my life then at that yeah. point, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, you know, as you look at those three pillars of life, that's something that feels very um, important, you know? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it is important, but it feels like something that's going to be the thing that helps push me towards those goals, right? Yeah. Becoming more conscious of having a more balanced life mm-hmm. as opposed to like a singular driven life so that mm-hmm. all of those aspects become uh, an important scheduled out thing. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> so. Yeah. I like, uh, I think it's easy, you know, it's easy to get stuck on one thing, especially like <clears throat> when you're building something, you know, like to let the other things suffer. Yeah. You know, especially like a business. That's or a good point. Dog training, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like because you become so enthralled and focused, you know, I have yeah. to build this, I have to build this, that you can uh, kind of lose focus of everything else that you're, you're doing, you know, your health or, or your relationships. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking at like fitness for an example, right. And people that like start dieting and stuff. I think that's a lot of the reason why societally 
it kind of catches a lot of flack sometimes Mm -hmm. is because most times I feel like people have this association that if somebody is going to try to get in shape, right, or or be healthier or something like that, what it means is you're going to see less of them because they're going to be in the gym more, right? Or they're not going to go out with you places or they're going to become less fun because they're probably not drinking as much and they don't want to go to the the fucking feast, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or the fair and, uh, you know, and and, and indulge with you and all of these different aspects. So I think it's very important that as you move through this journey, like I I think we're we're arguably trying to take this pretty seriously here, here moving forward, is you have to keep in mind, like, what do I need to do as I'm moving through this journey to not sacrifice the relationship side of things? Yeah. Right to not just like isolate your friends for thirty days and not see them because you need to cook all your meals at home and yeah. go hit the gym and do all those types of <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. Right, that is an interesting balance. That you know, listen, I'm not a fucking fitness guru by any means, <laughs> but yeah. but I think that's the interesting balance. That as long as you're conscious of it, mm-hmm. you know, and you you could you could kind of figure out and and be disciplined to 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 not have it sacrifice any of that too much. Yeah. I had a, a really good conversation with a friend of mine yesterday on the way home. Um, he's been like getting a lot into mindfulness, mm. which how he equates that to is like being in the present where sure. a lot of people, even including himself, it's like, you know, it's always the what's what's the five year plan? What's what's happening in the future, ah. the future, the future. Yeah, yeah. And then. Or they're thinking about, oh, I don't want to make these mistakes that I did in the past. And like they're always back and forth between the future and the past, but they're never like they're never in the here. Yeah. In, in the, the now. Yeah, in the now. And I, I do find myself doing that a lot, you know, because I was like, you know, I, I with like the photography, you know, that's the big one. Like I built it as a business. And I'm always I'm never like present for it. I'm always like, oh, what can I do to keep building and building, and building, which I think is a good mindset. But I think it's sometimes you need to take a step back and be in the present and be like, hey, look, like I made a successful thing that I'm making a living off of. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes I don't pat myself on the back for that or, or whatever, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's a good thing that people need to realize sometimes is like, hey, be in the present every yeah, once in a while, yeah. you know, and that's I think that's a big thing with like you're saying, like the relationships and and your health and stuff is like being yeah. mindful of what's happening right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> I was well, listen, like, it's, it's funny, right? Because like, let's look at let's look at this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously this is a, a quote unquote dog training podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I could over, like even just, just right now, like five minutes ago, I don't know how long we've been filming for, 14, 15 yeah, minutes now, 15 minutes, right? Yeah. We've been filming for 15 minutes now and maybe five minutes ago, right? Mm-hmm. My brain had this thought of like, wait a minute, like I'm trying to grow this podcast to be this giant dog training podcast. Like, why are we talking about all of this stuff right now? We're spending <laughs> the whole 15 minutes on this. And what if people don't like it? And yeah. they just want to hear about dog training things and they turn it off because of it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just being present, we're having a conversation right now. Yeah. Right? I, I don't know if people are going to get any fucking value out of it or whatever, but we're chit-chatting, we're talking, yeah. we're having a good time, we're developing relationships through those conversations, and we're helping people see a little bit more deeply into the human side of things, which directly goes into all of that other stuff. Like, if you're mm-hmm. a dog trainer out there and you're listening to this, right? 
constantly working on yourself and looking at things analytically like that will help you. Like if you're trying to constantly innovate yourself, which is ultimately what we're doing through all of this, mm-hmm. we're trying to, to improve ourselves. We see the flaws that yeah. we have, right? And we want yeah. to work on those types of things. And we want to be mindful of how we could do that in, in like a healthy, balanced way. Yep. Then you're going to stay focused on your company also. You're going to be focused on innovating that and looking at the flaws in that and figuring out ways to improve on it and stuff. Right? Yeah. And if you're just a dog owner, right, it kind of goes one in the same, right? If you're really struggling with your dog, but you're not being, you're not self-reflecting enough to see the holes in which you might be doing wrong in all aspects of your life, you're not mm-hmm. going to take the accountability you need to get past the issues you're having with your dog. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I came full circle with that. Yeah, that. you did. Uh, before we uh, completely move on, it's like, you know, we're, you're talking about the podcast and like, you know, like you said, oh, are people going to want this? They want, they come here for dog training, blah, blah, blah. But the present look at it would be, and it's really funny because I just looked at our first episode um, because I, I was like transferring stuff over and I was like, oh, I wonder what that mm. looked like. And you know, we had one camera right there, oh, yeah. no lights, like two white fucking fold out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like going from that, you know, to now we're episode 129. Yeah. You know, and we have a great like following base on mm-hmm. this that, that people get a lot of knowledge out of. And yeah, that's where it's like, yeah, you could get trapped in like, are they going to like this? Or like, should we even be talking about this? But this is how we've been doing it since day one and yeah. people enjoy it, you know? So I can imagine you hit a point too of like you podcast for so like when we hit 300 episodes, there's mm-hmm. only going to be so many new things, dog training related to talk about. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? for like, sure. For sure. Like, like this really is like for the people listening now, if you're planning on being a long-term listener and you're going to be with us for a while, who the fuck knows where these conversations are going to go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So get ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know it, it's it, and, and that's just what i i took from the present like the being in the present is like yeah, yeah we've come this far and we've built you know just just in this podcast term it's just like you we built something that people do enjoy and they do seem to like the banter because i've seen plenty of comments where they're like oh i love when you guys talk you know go back and forth on stuff so yeah you know they love it and and yeah, I think it's good to like, you know, think things over and like, mm-hmm. oh, could we do this better? You know, whatever. But at the same time, you got to give yourself a little credit. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, people like this stuff. So I like it. There it is. <laughs> Life lessons. So let's uh, let's kind of move into some dog training. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> like speaking of dog training, we'll yeah. we'll start talking. Well, about let's it. let's connect this. I love when I can kind of connect these pieces a little bit so getting back to like as an owner if you're listening to this and looking at self-reflecting and Mm -hmm. looking for the flaws in what you're doing and and et cetera et cetera et cetera Mm -hmm. so i did a lesson yesterday Mm -hmm. talk about for a minute it's with a uh a cattle dog named champ champ's a good dog it's a good boy i worked with him when he was just a wee puppy yeah a wee puppy (laughs) it's a great little dog yeah whatever but he's a cattle dog yeah, this was like, I worked with them maybe two years ago, right? And they contacted yeah. me maybe a month ago, and they said, hey, you know, we're, we're having some issues. We'd, we'd like to do a follow-up session. Great. Perfect. Let's do it, right? Uh, first off, 
you know, I always tell everybody when it comes to the follow-up session, people always ask me, like, long-term, what kind of training do I need? Blah, blah, blah. I always say, mm. after your initial training program, you shouldn't ever need intensive training again, right? Mm. Like, like, like intensive training, like, the do- at, once you finish a training program, your dog knows everything. They mm. know all of the skills they're going to need to know. Training is not a use it or lose it, where it's like, if you don't work with the dog for fucking let's say two years, Mm -hmm. right? That the dog's just going to forget everything and you have to go through the process of training them again and everything, right? Yeah. Um, But long-term, I always say, if you don't practice this craft every single day like we do, things are just going to, things are, you're going to forget certain things and and you're going to start just maybe slowly over time, like like the game of telephone, your communication will slowly over a year evolve into something that's like totally ass backwards from what it originally was yeah right and you're gonna notice things might just get sloppy mm, right mm-hmm. um so long term i always tell everybody like most of our clients once every couple years will come in for like a brush-up session yeah right and and sometimes i'll tell people to even like schedule it out where like best case scenario once a year at the in fucking january just give us a call hey let's get our yearly follow-up session on the calendar even if you're not mm-hmm. having problems because if you do that what's going to happen Excuse me. If you do that, what's going to happen is we're going to get you in. We're going to get eyes on stuff, and we're going to be able to find the holes before yeah. they turn into big problems and make the adjustments needed. For right? sure, yeah. So, so whatever. So, so fo- I, I say that because follow up classes are normal. Needing to come in for a follow up class once a year, once every couple of years, something like that. Things start to slip a little bit. Don't get too hard on yourself over that, right? Yeah. But the positive is most of these things are easy fixes. So whatever. So Champ, she was having some issues. He had a couple major surgeries, like last year, I believe. Okay. And in those major surgeries, he had a really horrible experience at the vet. Like he had to go like three times for for big issues and complications and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He started getting very reactive to touch. I wasn't trying to bite you really or kill you or anything like that, but he would definitely do little things to try to intimidate you to get away if he started getting uncomfortable. And generally what that was, was he, he would do the cattle dog thing where if you're petting him and he starts getting uncomfortable, he would just turn around and just open mouth. He wasn't biting. He would mm. just go, ah. Yep. Ah. Oh, I know. Right? He'd just like hit yeah. you with his mouth, mm-hmm. right? And again, it wasn't malicious. It wasn't like he was trying to hurt you or anything like that, but it's still something yeah. he can't do. Yeah. Right? And he just kind of learned that that's what, what made people go away mm-hmm. if he was getting uncomfortable. So they're like, we're not sure how to handle this. Right? So generally speaking, I always tell everybody, when I come to do a follow-up session with you post a training program, mm-hmm. right? If you're saying, you call me say, hey, I'm having some issues with A, B, C, or D, right? Usually within the first four minutes, mm-hmm. I know what's wrong. Right? Yeah. And a lot of times... If we're being self-aware, which is how we're tying this in, right? If we're being self-aware, we also know what the problems are. Mm-hmm. We, we know what they are. Guys. We know. <laughs> right? you, you know what they are. Yeah. So I walk in the house. I walk up to the door. I knock on the door. Champ's not a big barker, but he ran over to the door and he like jumped up on the screen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then she lets me in and I walk in and Champ's jumping on me a little bit. She's trying to get him to sit. She's telling him no, this, that, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Whatever, you know? Yep. So we sit down, we talk. I'm like, all right, fill me in. What's going on? They're like, you know, Champ is just getting... He's, he's getting kind of reactive towards new people with the touch stuff. Uh, he jumps a lot when guests are coming in. And, you know, he started getting... So she is um, 
she's she's dating somebody new mm. and um you know they obviously moved in together with each other and stuff and champ is getting a little defensive of her like if he goes to give her a hug mm. or things like that again he's not trying to bite the guy but he'll go like jump on him and try to push him away and just, mm. just little things like that yeah right so we're sitting there and i'm like all right well let's talk about me coming in because obviously you were throwing a lot of information at him Heard you tell him no a bunch of times, but he was jumping on me. You know, you were trying to get him to hold a position and he wouldn't do it, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, mm-hmm. what was up with that? I was like, what was wrong with that? Mm-hmm. She's like, I wasn't correcting him. <laughs> I said, bingo. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay. So, so I, I, yeah, I just wasn't correcting him. She's like, I just, I feel bad. I was like, but this behavior has escalated to a point now where now it's getting a little out of hand, mm-hmm. right? So you, you got to stop it, right? You can't, yeah. you can't feel too bad about it, Mm-mm. right? So, so we get into it, and we, we repeat the drill a couple times. He jumped one time. She actually corrected him for it. He's like, oh, okay, I don't jump. He didn't jump again after that, right? I went down. I'm petting him. I'm interacting with him. She's like, yeah, if you get near his belly, that's when he starts getting weird and doing the mouthy thing. So I went and did that. Bingo. He turned around, started mouthing at my hand. She told him no. She corrected him for that. Mm -hmm. That happened maybe two or three times. And then he was just fine after that. Yeah. He was just fine. Right? And we spent the remainder of the time sitting there and just talking about the concepts. Getting into, like, when a lot of people tell me, "Ah, I feel bad that I'm correcting the dog. Generally speaking, what that means is that they're in a position where... They have created this thing in their head mm. that you will have to forever and ever perpetually be correcting the dog, which is yeah. not the case, Mm-mm. right? I always explain, I was like, if you buckle down right now and for the next week, every time he jumps, he gets a correction. Every time he tries to get between you guys in that kind of threatening manner, he gets a correction. And anytime he does the mouthing, he gets a correction and you make sure your corrections are motivating. It'll just go away where you don't have to give the corrections later. Yep. Right. And 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 we kind of just we worked through that process a little bit. Past that, I think a lot of people still because this was this was with them, right? Like again, she's with a, a new guy that I that I I don't know, obviously, and he doesn't know a lot about the training process. Mm-hmm. Very very nice guy, obviously. Yeah. Um, but he's you know he's asking about the e car and this and that, and you know she was feeling bad because obviously some cattle dogs too could be a little dramatic with corrections, mm-hmm. right? He kind of yips sometimes randomly, even at a fifteen, right? So yeah, I thought I was like, sure. listen, I was like. We explain the process of like the vocalization, for example. Under most cases with dogs, when they're vocalizing, when they're getting a correction, it has nothing to do with it being painful, and it has everything to do with it startling the shit out of them, right? So I took the collar off. I put it on my hand. I turn the collar to 100, and I tap it like five times. I'm like, tap, tap, tap. And my hand, like, yeah, I let a little jolt. Like, it's a muscle stimulator, Mm -hmm. right? It it creates a pulsation. Yeah. But it's not that bad. So, Mm -hmm. So the guy's like, oh, man. He's like, can I feel it? I was like, if you want to, there you go, right? Tapped it on 100. He's like, whoa. And he's like, wait a minute. That wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, exactly, yeah. right? Right. So you, you you start to explain a lot of these things to people like that. And then, um, you know, they start to, to become a little bit more okay with this concept that, you know, again, you're not, you're not hurting the dog, mm-hmm. right? You're creating something the dog definitely doesn't like. Yeah. It might startle them. They want to avoid it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's impossible to, like, create an injury with it or create, like, true lasting pain. Like, like right after you tap it, like, I can tap it five times, and the second I stop, 
it's gone. There's yeah. no oh, yeah. lingering, hurting sensation or no. anything like that, right? It's yeah. just not the way that e-collars work, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we kind of explained that to became more, more, more okay with it, obviously. And we just sat and just kind of talked about the issues, right? And explained the process. We explained the biting thing, for example, right? This quirky biting habit that he developed where when he got uncomfortable with touch, he started learning that the mouthing and the biting made people go away. Mm-hmm. That came out of nowhere. And it happened after those major surgeries that he had to have. And I explained to them the reason why it likely happened is because in the vet, they, because she told me this even happened, right? They like were trying to freaking wrestle this dog and like hold him back and, and mm-hmm. stop him from flailing around and all that, where he was trying to get away and could not get away. So he mm-hmm. resorted to the biting and then he realized that worked. So now he defaults to that as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to go away when he gets stressed out. Yeah. Right. So as we were working through it, it was cool. This is how we retrained him to just create space instead of reacting mm-hmm. if he gets uncomfortable. What we did is I would pet him. I was interacting with him. He came over willingly on his own. I didn't force him over to me. And then when I kind of hit that spot where he wanted to do it, he Mm -hmm. did it. He got corrected for it, right? Then he did it again. He got corrected for it. After like two or three times, we're sitting there and I'm petting him and I could see he's getting a little bit uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like in that spot, but you saw the thought process work. And what happened was he didn't react what he did was he just, he went, he went to his bed, mm, yeah. right? So he left me and he went to his bed on his own, mm-hmm. right? I'm touching this microphone. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, Peter, if you're watching. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, so he, he went to his bed on his own mm-hmm. because he realized biting is not an option. Let me try something else, mm. right? And mm-hmm. what he did is he did the exact correct thing. So I said, that's, I was like, that's it. I was like, we're not petting him again right now. Because he did exactly what it was that we wanted him to do. Mm, right? Yep. So exactly. You repattern in the expectation. And the only way we could repattern in the expectation is by taking the dangerous and unwanted behavior off of the table. He's yeah. got to realize that that's not an option. We can't just like make it more reinforcing for that to happen because it'll always be in his catalog. Mm-hmm. He might always revert back to it. Right? Yeah. But instead, we made that off the table. So he needed to figure out a new way to cope with the behavior. And this is where mm. a lot of people will give you a hard time with like corrections. And they say, well, you're just suppressing the behavior and it'll show itself elsewhere. Yeah. That's true to an extent. Right. There's, mm-hmm. there's always, this is another thing. Uh, I don't know if you got to this, uh, in the, in the Ty Lopez episode or not, but he was talking about like extremes. He was referencing like, uh, referencing i think like politics and like you know extreme feminism or extreme mm. uh right-winged people or extreme democrats or, or all okay. these different extreme opinions mm-hmm. he said you always have to be aware that there is a small hint of truth behind everything that anybody's saying in the extremes right yeah. the problem is it's just been taken too far right mm-hmm. so let's look at the extreme you know getting to when you talk about like force-free ideology and the things people don't like about punishment and training tools and all of those types of things right uh the one thing they say like i said is is if you suppress the behavior it'll show itself elsewhere yeah again true to an extent right Mm -hmm. as we're suppressing an unwanted behavior we have to be mindful that if we take an option off the table especially when you're dealing with like emotionally charged behaviors so he's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable he's very stressed out and he's learned this behavior makes the stress go away right okay 
we have to look at, okay, I've stopped this behavior. The dog will likely try something else after this, yeah. right? Or they will try to channel that stress into something else. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be mindful of we have to then reinforce that thing. Now, that doesn't mean we're giving them cookies and treats and <laughs> chicken and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It just means that the reinforcement behind the behavior we allow to take place if it's something that we want, right? Mm. So in this case, we suppressed the biting where then his default behavior, the thing he tried, which he was not trying before, was creating space from us. Now, here's where a lot of people fuck it up, Mm -hmm. right? They'll be petting the dog, because it's a training exercise. We're trying to get the dog to not bite when he gets uncomfortable. So they'll pet the dog. The dog will bite. We correct him for it. The dog will bite. We'll correct him for it. The dog will try to get away, but in our mind, we're not thinking about it. We're like, we're doing training exercises where I need to pet him to make sure he doesn't bite. So we're like, Mm -hmm. no, get back here. And we force the dog Mm -hmm. back over, right? Yeah. And then that doesn't work either. So now he needs to try something else. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have to be mindful of what is the thing we want the dog to do. We want the dog to make the correct choice when they get stressed. So we have to reinforce that choice on top of punishing the incorrect choice. In this case, when he did create space, we reinforced it by allowing him to do that, which gives him the, Mm. okay, I was stressed. I created space. Now I'm uh, nobody's messing with me anymore. Yeah. So he realizes he's in control of the thing happening to him, and we're not just forcing it upon him constantly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, it's like you, the the ways that he can deal with it. You're just literally stripping it down. You know, so he has no options at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, because if you force it too much, especially with the interaction and stuff like that, there are no options, Yeah. right? And yes, I do think there's something to be said about, let's say he was doing it, let's say one of my dogs was doing it to me, Yeah. right? Like if I if I touched them in some way that like wasn't crazy, but it was something I needed to do. Like mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pet you sometimes, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, he was stressed out or uncomfortable from it and he was resorting to biting and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say it was, it was it's nails. Let's say hypothetically I'm trying to do one of my dog's nails. Something yeah. I need to do. I can't just say, well, you don't want me to do your nails, so I'm not going to do your nails. <laughs> yeah, right. for sure. Um, in that type of situation, yes, with my dog, I am going to want to, to some extent, figure out a way where, yeah, you can't bite, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you also can't just leave. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so so I got to kind of look at then at that point, I am going to hold you to a little higher of a standard and mm-hmm. you, you can't, you know, you, you can't bite and you have to allow me to do this. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to take a little bit more of just kind of a forcing it kind of mentality with it. Mm-hmm. But I'll focus on making the experience, making sure nothing scary is actually happening in the experience because I am forcing the dog to just deal with it. Right? Yeah. So I'll be mindful of maybe I'm not going to cut the nails so short where there's any sort of chance I might accidentally make it uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll focus on the first handful of times, um, maybe not getting super forceful with restraining them and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, maybe just getting them used to the noises and stuff of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I could work at a little slower of a pace, but I am going to make them just kind of deal with it a little bit more. But with guests, your guests don't need to do that, right? Mm-hmm. If your dog hypothetically just like goes in another room and stays in another room on their own when guests are coming over, like that's fine. Yeah. Like it's not, they, like your guests don't have to interact with your dog. 100%, yeah. Okay? So that's how we work through those issues with Champ. And uh, like I said, that I think was a very interesting one because as we're working through it, she's like, well, she's like, well, what should we do moving forward? Because we ended on a great note. She's like, what should we do moving forward as far as like, you know, follow-up session? Should we do another one in a week or two weeks? I was like, there's not really a point because yeah. here's the thing, right? Like 
you already knew what you needed to do. You just needed me to kind of remind you and mm-hmm. help like re like pep talk you up to like yeah. understanding why you need yeah. to do it and just doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, you need to just kind of work with this for a little bit. Right. Yeah. And if you run into a problem, realistically, what would happen is we would do another follow-up. We would come and I would do the same thing I just did today, which is just remind you of it again, which is just you wasting your money then at that point, right? The only time at that point another follow-up session would be necessary is if you work with it for like three weeks and you genuinely feel like you're doing everything correct. You're like, I'm doing all the things we went over in the last session, Mm -hmm. um, but you feel like there's still some sort of roadblock you can't get past. Yeah. You know, but that's... Very rarely the case. You know, most yeah. of the time, if you really looked at it, there's probably something you're still doing wrong. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I just had a random thought that came into my head from that. You know, it's like, you know how people like 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 when Caesar really like hit the scene, right? And yeah. it was like the dog whisperer. I mean, they gave him that. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's like he was like this almost mystical like being that could come in and 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 change things and i feel like even like with this situation you know it's like you go in and like you're like fixing that that re re, you know you're re fixing the problem that that has came up over the last couple years and like almost like in her mentality with that is like oh do we need more like whatever but it's like i'm just doing exactly you do this and you'll you'll have it as well you know it's yeah. like it's like i feel like people sometimes think you know oh the dog you know because you're the dog trainer and like i think we just need to keep coming back to you but it's like you have the same tools like you can do the same thing you yeah. know mm-hmm. and i think sometimes like people get stuck in that like you know like you're like the the wizard the mis- the mythical being that can come in and like save our household you know yeah and and you what you don't want is you don't want to run into this situation where it's like, wow, the dog is so well-behaved when you're here, so I need you to keep coming. Exactly, yeah. Right? We need to get you to a place where the dog behaves the same way when I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So that should be the goal is like look for the differences, mm-hmm. right? If your dog is really well-behaved with your trainer but really not behaved with you, it ain't magic. <laughs> yeah. Right? Your dog trainer is doing something different that you're not doing. Yeah. And you have to be self-aware enough to look at that and figure out what that thing is. Yeah. Or else you will perpetually be in the trap of working with a trainer, having a little bit of success for a couple months, mm-hmm. it falling off, then you finding another trainer, then you having a little bit of success, and yeah. then it falling off, then you finding another trainer, and you mm-hmm. never actually get past your problems. Mm-hmm. You have to, if your dog, and I'm saying this, if your dog behaves perfectly with the trainer, because there's plenty of people that go to trainers and like the trainer can't even fucking get the dog to listen, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a different story. Yeah. Like, like be very aware of people that are like, people that tell you what to do, mm-hmm. but don't show you it working. Yeah. Right? Like there's a lot of trainers that'll be like, well, like I'm not going to touch your dog because they're really aggressive. And I'm not even talking force free trainers. I'm talking yeah. a shit ton of balance trainers out there too that are mm-hmm. like, well, no, like you need to, you need to be the one that works with this dog. And I'll tell you what to do, but you need to be the one that works with this oh, dog. It's like, no, 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 no. If I'm going to gain your trust, if I'm going to earn your trust mm-hmm. to do the things I tell you to do, I better damn well be able to show you it working. Yeah, right. Uh, for like, sure. Like there's there's a lot of situations where we have dogs that like act aggressively towards other people. And I have to show you that I know what I'm doing mm-hmm. where I could get this dog to not be aggressive towards me. Yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah, so I, I think that's like one of the, one of the best things 
mm-hmm. that you did in that was saying we don't need to do this in a month because no. I I have the confidence that you can do this. Yes, you know. And again, I you know to clarify, like I'm not like kicking them to the curb. Like no. if you desperately need help and you're not getting past yeah. it, like I'll keep helping you. Yeah, but you really need to be able to do this on your own is the key. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like it was a like this is like a non serious thing that was. Yeah. Easily corrected. Yes. You know, and and it's it's hopefully this gives her the confidence that she's like, you know what, we can keep control of this. And yes. And it kind of builds it so they can have a, a like a sustainable lifelong relationship with their dog. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, cool. so that was an interesting lesson we just did the other day. I feel like I got a lot of random topics to talk about today. I don't know if we'll get through all of them today or not. It's already 40 minutes in, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll kind of keep rolling. So, okay. So yesterday, so we've talked before on this podcast how we have our, our uh, bi-weekly trainers meetings, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a bi-weekly hour of time that we chunk out where all of our trainers, so the five of us get together and we just talk dogs, mm-hmm. right? Like it really is like one of those places where like, we could just brainstorm ideas off each other and yeah. talk about things we're interested in or new dogs we've been working with or success stories or, or any of that kind of stuff. We just kind of get together and just, just stay on the same page. Right? Yeah, of course. So <clears throat> yesterday was a really interesting one. We had a trainer meeting. We're like 20 minutes into it and mm-hmm. we're just talking. And, um, you know, we had a couple difficult handling cases in lately. When I say handling, okay. I mean generally like grooming, nail trimming, simulating vet visits, putting collars on and off, like anything that involves me physically handling the dog Mm -hmm. and the dog having a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. um, That's what I mean by handling things. This example we just talked about with Champ, that's a handling issue, the touching, the petting and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. So so we have a, a, a dog in right now. His name is Pico, right? Pico. Pico is a little bit of a pain in the ass. He's like a really tiny little, he looks like he's like an Italian greyhound or a whippet or something. Like really okay. slender, skinny dog, like uh-huh. yay bigger. So he probably weighs like yeah, 25 yeah. pounds or something like that. Okay. Um, and Pico is just super fearful and he is a biter, right? Ooh. So one of the things his dad wanted us to work on, he emailed us about the other day, is like getting him acclimated to the Dremel, which is a standard part of our program. But since he emailed us about it, we're like, all right, let's get a head start on this. Let's start mm-hmm. it now. Right. Yeah. And um, one of our trainers had worked with him a couple days before and went to go work some grooming stuff. And it was just it was a mess. Like he just was not having it. Yeah. Having a very hard time with it. Um, she tried to kind of get him in the grooming tub and, and get him and get him, you know, in there so that she could give mm. him a bath and, yeah. and do nails and stuff. And he was just it was just a mess. He was just all mm. over the place, was not having it. Right. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we kind of broke down you know, how we handle situations like that and the different tiers of handling and mm-hmm. severity of dogs with handling. Mm-hmm. And what we did is we actually took him out and we worked with him, right? It was the first yeah. time, usually we're just talking in this trainer's meeting. This is the first time we took a dog. It was like a case study. Like, let's work with this dog and let's let's talk about and like demonstrate this process, yeah. right? So I'll break down first the three types of, we'll just use, we used nail trimming as an example just to kind of break down this process, right? Mm-hmm. So generally our first step when we get a dog that might be a little bit tough with like having their nails done mm-hmm. is we want to remove the reinforcement behind the unwanted behavior, okay. right? Yeah. So let's take a dog um, like, uh, like, like Champ or like Pico whose default is when they get uncomfortable to maybe start thrashing a little bit or mm-hmm. putting their mouth on you or something like that, Yeah. right? For a lot of the dogs you work with, just showing them that that doesn't work 
will make that behavior go away. And this is where mm. you get into the cases of like where we just need to get them to deal with it. Like the, mm-hmm. get them just like moving away and giving space is not optional because we yeah. gotta get the nails done. For right? sure. Yeah. So so a dog like Pico, right? Um, it, it not to be misconstrued with ignoring the behavior. Like we're not ignoring the behavior, but mm. what we're doing is we're saying, like, let's say I hold your paw and you start freaking out and thrashing and pulling and stuff. A lot of times the dog does that because they realize when they do that, we'll let go and we'll stop doing what it is we're doing. Mm. So with a lot of these cases, if I hold the paw and you start trying to pull away or put your mouth on my hand or something like that, if I just keep holding it, many of them will realize, well, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of just like accept it and give into it, right? <clears throat> uh, and realize they're, they're let, we'll use a trigger word I think we might have talked about before, like learned helplessness. A lot of people like to watch our nail trim videos. They'll be like, the dog is in learned helplessness right now, which is, again, not inaccurate, right? Yeah. We're teaching the dog that they are helpless to the idea of, if I'm going to do your nails, I'm going to do your nails. Yeah. If I need to put a muzzle on you, I'm going to put, put the muzzle, muzzle on, on you. you. You're help, there's nothing you can do about it, Yeah. right? There's nothing <laughs> you can do that's going to make me not put this yeah. muzzle on you. you there's you nothing it. you're going to do that's going to make me not trim your nails, Etc. Etc. The reason yeah. why people like to use the learned helpless thing, helplessness thing, as this big negative, like you're using <laughs> learned helplessness. That's like the most barbaric, cruel thing. Is because the original studies on learned helplessness were extremely barbaric and unfair. So how they studied this is some fucking scientist had the genius idea to figure out: Can I make a dog just give in to? anything happening to them yeah we're not talking nail trim we're not talking putting a collar on we're not talking putting a muzzle on Mm. which are also cases of learned helplessness he went with let me electrify a floor Mm -hmm. that an animal is in and remove their ability to get out of the area Mm. and see how long does it take before the animal stops trying to fight to get away from that thing happening to them Right. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> so, so they study that, and obviously, at a certain point, no different than humans being tortured in prisons and yeah. stuff like that, they kind of just accepted this is happening to me, no matter how cruel and unfair it is, mm-hmm. and you know, potentially painful and stuff like that. So, so they did that a couple of times until the animals gave way to it and just realized I can't do anything about it. Basically, just like laid there and tolerated it. Mm-hmm. Right. Then what they did is after they got the dog into a state of learned helplessness. They opened the escape. And because the dog had accepted this is just going to happen to me, the dog, and I don't know if it, I'm just saying dog because we use it to talk about dogs. I actually don't remember what kind of animal they used to test this. But once they opened the escape, the animal didn't try to get out. They just sat there still and just accepted it, right? Mm. So if you look at that study, that's yeah. an extremely barbaric yeah. and unfair and cruel study. Yeah, right. It's terrible. To, 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 to achieve this point of like, can I get you to just accept things that are happening to you? Yeah. Right? So so let's put that to the side for a minute. And let's mm-hmm. look at the concept of learned helplessness without that study. Yeah. The concept of learned helplessness is can I get you to just tolerate the things that I'm going to inevitably need to do to you? Mm-hmm. Right? Can I get you to just accept you're helpless to those things happening to you? Mm-hmm. Right? And the answer is yes. And you should do that. Yeah. Right? So... So getting back to the three cases of like, let's say nails, right? You have your initial dogs that aren't super, super terrible with it, mm-hmm. that you could use a degree of that to get them to just tolerate the thing happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm talking loud today and I keep getting a very dry mouth. <laughs> <clears throat> so 
the secondary cases that you work with are the dogs that maybe got a little bit more like attitude behind them. They're yeah. a little more committed to the behaviors, right? Yeah. Where that initial concept might work eventually with them, mm-hmm. but the behavior they're exhibiting that we're trying to extinguish might be either just a little too intense for us to wait it out until it hits that point of them mm-hmm. realizing it doesn't work, yeah. or it's a little bit too dangerous, meaning like they're mm. actually trying to bite us, right? Yeah. Like there's a little yeah. bit more risk behind it, stuff like that, right? Yeah, for sure. Same concept would apply, but we would add in a punishment for that behavior, right? Mm. So I would go to do their nails. If they try fighting, I'm not going to stop. But if they escalate it to the point where they exhibit a specific behavior, like say biting or jumping on me or something like that, I could punish that behavior and extinguish that behavior, which will make the process of them accepting the thing happening much, much faster and much, much easier, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of option number two, right? Then you have the third category, which is your frantic, spastic, crazy, fearful, get away at all costs, like almost like they get into this like mindless state, mm-hmm. um, which is dogs like we'll, we'll use Pico as the example here, right? He would get so frantic and so all over the place and he would just try to take off and run. And then if you try to stop him from running, he'd turn and try to bite you. And like all these things were happening so fast and so intensely. It's almost like he was like getting into like an autopilot mode and he wasn't even like conscious of yeah. anything happening to him. It's pure, right? pure flight. So, so, yeah, so just stopping him, again, though may work eventually, was just too risky to do with him, mm-hmm. right? It, it just, like, it just was going to be it was too risky for the person involved, for him, for this, for that, mm-hmm. right? Punishing the behavior was not very effective with him because he was so mindless with what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He had a very hard time with being able to correlate that correction with a specific behavior because so many behaviors were happening yeah. so rapidly, right? Yeah. So how did we work through those ones? Those are the ones where we have to be a little bit more proactive with them on getting them focused on something, addressing the state of mind before we ever actually start doing the thing Mm. to get them to a place where they don't escalate so much in the first place. And then when they do take it to that level that's a little too much, they're not cycling through so rapidly. So when I give the correction for it, they can retain the correction. Mm. So how do we do that? We implement a degree of obedience into the mix to proactively get them into the right state of mind. And then what we do is um, we uh, hold them to an extremely high standard with that. Then we start whatever the thing is we're going to need to do in increments. Mm. So in his case, we needed to do his nails. He's never let people do his nails before. So the first thing we did, we got a bed out and um, we put him into a bed state. Yeah. Right. He tried to get away from me a couple times just because he's fearful of new people and he doesn't mm-hmm. know me to begin with. So I yeah. addressed that problem. I made sure he realized you can't get away from me. Yeah. Right? Every time he stepped off the bed, he got a fairly high level correction for it. We put him back on. We got it to a place where he held the bed really fine. Yeah. Right? From there, once we worked through that hurdle with things, we turned the Dremel on. We just turned it on. We didn't do anything with it. The noise set him into kind of a frenzy where he tried to get away. The second he got off the bed, we corrected him for it, got him back on. And we got him to a place where, because we were proactively using that bed state before we put it on, he didn't escalate so much. He was able to retain the correction, and we got him past it, right? Once he was good with that, we did the same process of just moving the Dremel towards him. Yeah. Touching his butt with it, touching his leg with it, doing all those types of things. A couple times, he tried to break the bed stay and dart off, which was the very start of that frenzy. Yeah. We corrected him for it. We got him resituated back into it. By the end of this session... 
we ended it was it was we worked him for about 25 minutes okay we ended where i was able to grind three of his back nails without even holding his leash without him trying to get off the bed without him doing anything he just all stood right. there and let me do it That's we good. probably would have got them all done at that point the only reason why we didn't is because we we didn't have any more time we had to yeah. end the session okay right yeah so dogs that get like that the process is more proactive and in indirectly solving the problem. Like that doesn't necessarily solve the problem of, well, if he's not in a bed stay, will he let us do the nails and this and that? But it could help us to desensitize him to the nail process mm -hmm. indirectly by proofing his obedience to an extremely high level. Yeah. So that once he's really smooth with it in that context, we could start then working back through the process mm -hmm. and getting back to like, well, if he's just there with me mm. and I grab his paw, will he let me do it? Yeah. Right. So that was uh, that was another interesting thing that uh, we worked on over the course of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I just love I love that last one. You know, I, I I I've never had a dog or seen a dog that has like that. You know, extreme just like flight. You know. Yeah. So that is an interesting way to to go about it without like, I mean, otherwise, yeah, you just have to sit there and really really put the dog through a lot of stress to have him sit there. Yeah. So th that is a great workaround to just kind of like chill the mind. Like, yeah. hey, like focus on this. Yeah, and know? he's a very flighty, fearful dog in general. So mm -hmm. like by indirectly working on that, forget the nails for a minute. Yeah. We were just proofing his obedience to a higher level as well. Yeah. Like when shit's going on that you really want to dart away from and go and hide and stuff like that, which is yeah. a lot of his problem with his owner, mm -hmm. you've got to... You got to sit there and tolerate it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though in his mind something horrendous was going to happen, mm -hmm. as we put him in those situations and hold him to a higher level, mm -hmm. we're taking the mindless behavior off the table so he could actually realize some of these things happening just aren't that bad, mm -hmm. which is really like 99% of behavioral modification is really about take the dangerous and the unwanted behavior off the table mm -hmm. so the dog can really realize Nothing scary is happening because almost all mm -hmm. cases of like aggression and anxiety and stuff like that are rooting from a dog that just genuinely feels like something horrible is about to happen to them. Yeah. You know, and they're almost always just proactively trying to do something to make that perceived threat go away or not happen in the first place. You know? Yeah. 100%. So, so that was a, uh, another interesting thing. Um, God, we got all these other conversations here. So we'll tie this into like one last thing here. So we'll pull right. that video up real fast. So I was, <laughs> I sent this to Josh the other day. There's just random video that I saw just on, I, I don't even remember where I found it. It was like maybe YouTube, yeah, YouTube or short. is it YouTube? Mm -hmm. Like probably just in scrolling on YouTube, I saw this video pop up. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so this is a lot of times when we talk about this kind of stuff, right? Behavioral mm -hmm. modification, because this kind of goes hand in hand, right? Handling things, behavioral modification work, dogs with aggression issues, stuff like that. Yeah. People always think if the dog is doing something that's like, like trying to defend themselves or whatever it may be, people like always want to equate it to like something, somebody did something to the dog, right? Like it's the E collar that did it or it's yeah. the prong collar that did it or mm -hmm. whatever. Like some people will see videos of dogs that people post as like maybe a before clip of a dog just going absolutely bananas on a trainer and they'll be like, mm -hmm. well, he has a prong collar on. That's why he's doing it. Or he has an E collar mm -hmm. on and he's just trying to avoid the pain or, or dogs that redirect, 
right? We get yeah. a lot of, lot of dogs that you tell them no or you correct them for something and they're going to turn around they're going to try and bite you, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times we'll go, well, it was just because the correction was too high. I hear that one a lot, right? Oh, yeah, of course. The correction was way too firm and, and the dog was just in agony and that's why they did it. Mm-hmm. Guys, as soon as I saw this video, I loved it because it just kind of disproves all of that. <laughs> okay, so this is a video. Who knows where the hell this is at? It was in, it's in a different language, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to actually put this video in there. Somehow. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so this is a video that is, here, let me pull it up. Oh. oh, hang on. Okay, so the title of this video is Stray Dog Turned Lion. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> okay, so in this video, what you've got is you've got a um, stray dog, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously in a foreign country somewhere, mm-hmm. right? And it looks like maybe some sort of livestock guardian dog or maybe Anatolian mix or, yeah. or something like that. Who knows what this dog is? The dog's just laying on the ground calmly, stray dog. Yep. You've got a dog catcher that's got like a catch pole, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes and slips this leash or this catch pole over top of the dog's head, and the dog turns into a fucking lion. <laughs> it is insane. So let's, let's watch this here. Stray dog turned around. <laughs> <laughs> you hear those noises? so so he's slowly walking the dog over to his his car into the kennel and stuff like that right but but here's the thing right that video in itself, just that dog's probably lived on the streets for a long time. Mm-hmm. That dog has probably not had anything really horrible happen to it before. It probably just does whatever the hell it wants to do on mm-hmm. the streets, right? Oh yeah. And this goes to show that there are dogs. People don't. People just like, can't accept this. There are just some dogs out there that just will not tolerate being told no or being made to do something yeah and we need to start shifting our our mentality from like oh well the dog doesn't want that to happen so like that's Mm -hmm. okay you shouldn't push the envelope people Mm -hmm. say that with the nail trim videos we post and stuff like that all the time well well if he doesn't want to have it happen why are you pushing it that's why the dog's trying to attack you guys this dog just had something go over his head Mm -hmm. and he went full cujo yeah scary like 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 full on absolute cujo over having something put over his head. And guess yep. what we see? We see dogs that will do that if you put a collar on them. Mm-hmm. Not even a training tool, a regular collar. Yeah. We'll see dogs that if you pet them just wrong, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. We'll see dogs that if you startle them while they're sleeping, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. We'll see dogs that you put a leash on them, they do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Yeah. And. Once you realize the slippery slope of saying, well, like, it's just a nail trim. Why would you worry about it? Or it's just brushing. Why would you worry about it? Or it's just getting Pico into the grooming tub. Why would you worry about it? Et cetera, et cetera. And you realize how 
over time, the way that it gets that bad is by the dog being emboldened in situation after situation and situation after situation that when they don't like something, they could act in that type mm-hmm. of a manner in a less extreme way. Yeah. Over time, it continues to progress and build. I am a firm believer that if you own a dog, you should be able to do pretty much anything to that dog, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with limitations, right? Yeah. Anything that doesn't involve like hurting the dog, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Right? You should be able to do anything from a handling point to that dog. And if you can't, if there are things that you're scared your dog might bite you over doing, that's a massive problem that's going to put you in a very vulnerable position at some point with that dog. Yeah. For sure. You know? And uh, that video, like I said, was just it was so interesting when I saw it because I was watching. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And, and it's a stray dog. It's never had training before. Nobody's putting anything on the dog that's hurting him or anything like that. Frankly, he started acting out before there was any even tension on, yeah. on well, anything. Yeah, before he the even leash just, The thing just slipped over his head, and he started acting like that. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so so just, just be mindful of that and just be honest with yourself about your own dogs and, uh, you know, helping them overcome these things and asking yourself, am I making too many excuses for my dog? Let's say this client that I worked with earlier with Champ, let's say they said, oh, well, it, it, he's just doing that because of the situation at the vet. That's okay. You know, we'll just, we'll just give it time or just, just, just let people know don't pet him in that type of way. That he's a young dog. He's only like two years old, mm-hmm. or t- just over two years old, maybe. Right? That will turn into a very, very serious problem later on. Mm-hmm. And I say that because a lot of people will see behaviors like what Champ does, where he gets a little mouthy if you touch him the way he doesn't like. Like, and they'll tell their 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 friends and family that yeah. just don't pet him like that, mm-hmm. right? And then what happens is over another two years, it turns into the dog is actually trying to hurt you mm-hmm. when you do those little things like that. Yeah, you can't avoid that stuff forever. If you see problems like that with hand related things don't make excuses for it get it under control yeah get it under control get it under control so that's our episode today man i got another i'll tell this and next week we have a guest but the week after i really need to talk about i had a uh i had a uh a a hater uh a a facebook hater that that gave me i'm gonna talk about it right now because i feel like i still got got the put it in put it in we're gonna put it in okay so so I did something the other day that I never do, mm-hmm. right? Which is I re- actually I shouldn't say I never do it. Um, I we you know as anybody that puts content out there on the internet knows, you're gonna get haters. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be people that comment dumb shit, right? And oh, yeah. I know a lot of people out there take this stuff so personally. Mm-hmm. They do. They get they get so down on themselves if somebody's like ripping them yeah. apart on fucking line or anything like that. And this story I'm about to tell you just goes to show what kind of pe- what kind of unstable, crazy people are the ones that are leaving those comments, and why you should not give a shit about what they're saying, mm-hmm. right? So a guy oh, comp. So so some guy, I think his name was Damien. Damien commented on one of our videos, right? Maybe five days ago, six days ago, something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. Saturday night, and. Your typical comment of, as soon as I saw the e-collar remote in their hand, I knew you had no idea what you were talking about, or, or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And I, so I reply to every comment, including the hateful ones, because it's good for the algorithm, <laughs> right? But the hateful ones, I don't really entertain conversations with them, yeah. right? I'll, I'll literally just reply, just so I can say I replied to it, I'll say, sure, 
right? Like, or yeah. if you say so, yeah, or or something answers. like that. Short answers. That's like not even we're not even having a conversation. Yeah, this right now, okay. right? So I said sure, and then he sent like another crazy long message. You don't realize how stupid what you're saying is. Blah blah blah. Right? It's just like it was just like a back and forth. Yeah, it's like, going off. And then I would pri- I reply. I think the first one was sure. Then I said if you say so. And then, <laughs> and then you know, it just like kind of went on that way. Yeah. A couple comments, and and at one point, like he just like kept sending these really. Like I think one of them was like, and all of my replies were that. Like one of them was like, uh, then it hit a point where he's like, he's like, just stop responding. You're making it worse for yourself and ball. But I'm just like I'm not barely even responding. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. So so I, I think I messaged back and I was like, and, and I. I'm always interested in having conversations with people that disagree with me mm-hmm. in an actual conversation format. I said, listen, I was like, you clearly want to want to talk about this a lot because you're sending really long replies and I'm not even acknowledging your replies. I was like, yeah. so like, let's do a podcast, right? Let's talk. Like, let's let's do a Zoom and you could educate me on what you think I'm doing wrong. I could debate your points, mm-hmm. whatever, you know? Yeah. So he... he I, I told him, he's, he's like, I think he said, like, fine, I'll do it or something like that. So I was like, all right, email me at, you know, david at miraclecaninetraining.com and we'll set up a time and we'll make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. So he emails me. And again, it's another long email, right? Of course. Like, like, like something like, oh, blah, blah, like, ah, oh, you know, if you talk to me, you'd get tongue tied and blah, blah. So, <laughs> so I emailed back. I was like, I'll reply tomorrow and I'll let you know when I'm free to talk, right? So after that, he proceeds to call the facility two times. He calls my phone because my phone number is in my emails. Mm-hmm. Um, he calls my personal line like four times in a row and then sends me an email about how you're so scared to talk to me and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right? Oh, so boy. already, right, we have, an, we, have, we have an unhinged person, mm-hmm. right? And again, I'm, I'm saying this because I want... The, the lesson I want people to take away from this is to not take this shit too personally, right? Mm-hmm. Because most of the people that are, if you really have to look at like what kind of a person do you need to be to go to other people's pages and leave mean, nasty, insulting comments. Yeah. Right? Like it takes a special kind of person for that. For sure. Right? So whatever, I, I emailed him back again. I was like, I got your messages. I will call you tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. So the only reason why I was going to call him back was because one, I did want to be able to make this happen, and two, I was going to film the call to make it something really entertaining, yeah. right? Okay. So so I called him back and I screen recorded the entire conversation. It was like thirty. I was on the phone with the guy for like thirty minutes. Oh boy! Right? Uh-huh. And I was on the phone in the back of my mind. I was like, "This is going to make the best content ever." <laughs> Because it was yeah. wild. The conversation okay. was wild. We'll get into like some of the details of the conversation in a second here. But um, uh, uh, I found out that screen recording a phone call doesn't record the audio. Damn. Right? So I have a 30-minute screen record on my phone right now that has no audio behind it. I was so pissed. Because I was looking yeah, at dude. I really, I got off the phone. And I was like, I just hit the fucking jackpot with content right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so, so whatever. So, so over the course of this conversation, right, I genuinely went into it. I was like, I want to actually talk to this guy and get his opinion on things. Yeah. 
he over the 30 minutes wouldn't let me say two words because he would just talk over me and then just start spouting insults. I probably 15 times in this conversation got called a stupid fucking blabbering retard. Like like 20 times in the conversation, I was called a fucking moron and blah, blah. Perfect. And then anytime I would challenge him on something he said in the three words I was able to get out, he would warn me, you better stop talking to me like that. You don't know who you're talking to. You better stop talking to me like... Oh, it was just... A, it was just... A, it legitimately was an unhinged person. Yeah. Right? It was a person that, like, obviously is a little bit cuckoo. Mm-hmm. Right? So, getting back to, again, don't worry about the hate you're getting. Because, unfortunately, these are the kind of people that are the loud minority on social media that are pushing this agenda of what you're doing is wrong and you don't know what you're talking about and this Mm -hmm. and that because they could type all this stuff out and act all crazy and emotional and people will read it and be like, oh my God, this guy, this person must be doing something bad because he's got all these people sending all these crazy messages to it. But you don't realize the people that are sending those messages are actually crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds so that's, like my, that's yeah. my story right I, 30 minute phone call with this guy got three words out didn't even get the fucking recording of it um, and uh, whatever got called about 700 different names and, and cussed out like 27 times and yeah. stuff like that and and we didn't get anywhere with it yeah <laughs> yeah how does the com- how did the conversation end I just hung up on him he was just being I mean he, he was he was just being crazy honestly yeah. you know like he, he wouldn't stop talking he wouldn't stop like swearing at me and, and and being nuts and stuff like that so I was like listen man I gotta go right I was like yeah <laughs> you know like sorry <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> it's just wild and you know like yeah. it gets you thinking like I was I was thinking I was like the unfortunate thing, too, is these are the kind of people that are making, like, getting back to, like, the bigger picture issues, like, like legislation against tools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of people that you're trusting to, like, push these agendas. Yep. Right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason why, like, we've never been able to get somebody with an opposing view at least an opposing extreme view on the podcast, like Mm -hmm. somebody that really feels like all the tools should be banned and and this and that, Mm -hmm. is because most of them are not mentally in a position to be able to debate it Mm -hmm. because there's no truth behind any of it. True. Right? The second you start pushing back on the opinion, right? Like like, like he would would like spurt out like a, a, a... whatever, some sort of, of thing of like, it's like his, like you thought he was like getting me on something, right? Mm-hmm. And then I would immediately be like, no, that's wrong because of this. And then, oh, you're fucking, you know what she's talking about, right? Like there's no, they can't debate these topics. Yeah. They're not able to. Nope. So they got to call you a name. So they got to just stay online and just leave nasty comments all over and jump from person's page to person's page to mm-hmm. person's page, acting like they know everything that they need to know. And that you're so wrong, and then it just, that's it. You gotta love it. So, that was my experience with, uh, with <laughs> the, that. With the haters. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we won't be having a <laughs> podcast with him. <laughs> We'd have to blur everything out. <clears throat> oh, man. I just thought, I'm, I'm, I thought it was going to make some good content. Yeah, it would have. I know. Definitely would have. Yeah. And also, before anybody says, says, before anybody says, were you recording that conversation without his permission? I told him I was recording the conversation on my phone. So he knew. 
and he still acted like that. <laughs> but it didn't work. <laughs> no. Oh, well. So that's my last story. All right. Well. Cross that off the list. Yeah. Wild convo. That's what I put down. Wild convo. That was the wild convo. <laughs> cool. Well, hopefully we won't hear from him ever again. Yeah. Listen, if anybody's listening here and has some crazy opinions and thinks everything we're doing is wrong, and you want to have a conversation about it, hit me up. Let's make it happen. <laughs> hit him up. David at MiracleK9Training.com. There you go. Cool. All right, guys. On to the next one. Yep. We'll see you.